Well, welcome to 2023. That just seems crazy to me. Like, um, I hope that um, we're, we're a few days in, into the new year, right? A full week into the new year. And I hope that you've had a good start to the, to the year. And, and isn't that what we say, right? Um, for the next month or so, you're going to meet people. You see people at the store or whatever. And you say, hope you're, hope you're having a good year because we all expect at the beginning of the year to, to have a good year. We all hope for a, a better year. Like at the beginning of a new year, we expect that year to be good, to be better than the year before. Like, like I don't know what it is, maybe they put chemicals in it or something, but if you buy a new calendar, it comes with great expectations. <laughs> for a better year, for a, a better return on your investments and all kinds of plans for what the year could be, right? I mean, we're supposed to, we're trained to take the last week or so of, of the last year, the first week or so, the new year, and, and a plan. And we always think the new year is going to be better. Do you remember the first quarter of um, 2020, can you remember back that far? Um, I, if you don't remember, let me, let me fill you on. I give you a picture in your mind today. Uh, I stood up here on, on this stage, very close to this spot, and I boldly told you that uh, we had big plans for real life. Like Amber and her team were packing out our kids' ministry every Sunday. We were 35 to 40 plus kids in there. And so we had had meetings, we did surveys and all this stuff. And so early in 2020, I stood up here and I said, hey, Get ready, church, because this new year, God is going to bless us. And um, by September of 2020, we're going to move to two services to accommodate all the kids we've got. It's going to be a great year. Very excited. Uh, and, and it was just a great time with great plans for um, the new year. And of course, if you remember uh, back to that time, a few weeks later, we got kicked out of the building. Uh, it was, what, three or four months that we didn't have in-person church because of this, this thing called COVID that none of us at that point had ever heard of, ever thought of, and nobody could have believed that what happened in 2020 could have happened at any time in this country. Like the things that happened during 2020, we're always just like, I can't believe this is happening in America. Like, like we would go, yeah, of course, of course those other countries around the world are locking down and keeping everybody in their homes and doing all that stuff. But that can't happen in America and we can't ever say that again. Because we had big plans and everything was going great and, and then it all turned. The point is, we don't know what the future is going to hold. We make plans and we hope and we work towards and we pray, but ultimately we have little control over what tomorrow brings. And so in the beginning of everything and anything, you and I have nothing really but, but hope. Now, if you're on social media, you're watch guys like Tony Robbins, they will probably disagree with this statement. 
And they will say, no, you can plan and you can prepare and you can get yourself in the best place and the best place for to be, to, to take and to control and to grab a hold of everything that the future might, is to, is to get yourself in the best place right now. And that's great. But how many people had everything going for them financially, physically, whatever, and then the bottom drops out. Like, like th there are things that are just beyond our control and you can be perfectly prepared for whatever great thing you want in the future and it can still fall completely apart. There's so much of this world that is just beyond our control. And really in the end, we can't control anything but ourselves. So what's the old saying? The best laid plans. We can lay it all out there. We can have it planned. You can get it all scheduled. You can write down your to-do list and all that stuff. But ultimately, you and I are not in control of what tomorrow brings. But even if you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, if your hope is in God, what happens tomorrow doesn't matter nearly as much as your hope in God does. As believers in Jesus, if our hope is in God, if our hope is in a future that is beyond what we can imagine or, or express, then we can say, okay, even if tomorrow is terrible, even if the new year doesn't bring all the things that we hope it brings, my faith and my trust is in God and he is unchanging and I know where I'm going when all of this is over. And so we can hold to that even when we have nothing else to hold on to. And so this morning, I want you to go on a little bit of an imaginary journey with me. I want to, you to imagine that you are a uh, Israelite. Um, you are an ancient Israelite. Your nation, your people for the last 200 plus years have been slaves in a foreign country in the land of Egypt. You've been oppressed, you've been objectified, you've been forced into slavery in this nation that at the time was really the pinnacle nation of the world. And so uh, just in your mind, just try to imagine what that might be like. Now, if you're a man, and you are an Israelite and a slave in Egypt, your job is to make bricks. That is what you do. You are a brick maker, a, a, a day laborer for Egyptian uh, builders. And so I, I have some questions I want you to think about. The first one is um, this, and you can just shout out the, out the answer. Uh, that will be kind of fun. So as a Hebrew slave, uh, number one, hopefully is gonna come up here uh, at some point, maybe is not coming up. Is it not coming up? It's not coming up. Okay. Hey, there it is. Okay. Uh, as an as uh, Israelite slave, how many days a week do you work? Seven. 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 Good job. Okay. Um, as, an, as, a, as a Hebrew or Israelite slave, how many days do you get off? Zero. Oh, you guys are good right up here in, in the front. All right. Uh, next one. Um, how much sicker universal time do you get? Zero. <laughs> yeah, none. Uh, and uh, next one. Oh, wait. Let me just give you the next one. Uh, if you can't make bricks because of uh, health or disability or because you just don't have the strength, are you of any use to the Egyptians? No. No. Uh, and what happens to your wife or your daughter if you can't make any more bricks? Let's just not think about it. Because whatever happens to them in Egypt, it's not pretty, it's not good. And nobody wants, uh, nobody wants that to happen. Uh, the answer to the questions, they're not pleasant. Uh, 
life for the Israelites in that time and in that situation was not good. And the reality for the, G, the, the Jewish people was far worse than really any of us can imagine. Like life there was difficult. You were not in control. You were forced to labor. And if you couldn't make bricks, if you couldn't do what you were told, you were of no value to the Egyptians. And because of that, they didn't need you around. You were dead weight. And so they just offed you. Like you, that was it. You, they just killed you, you were done. And then they would take your family, your wives and your daughters, and they would do all kinds of terrible things with them uh, in the Egyptian economy. Now the, the ancient Israelites, they had heard stories about their ancestor Abraham. They'd heard stories about how this God had spoke to him and had made promises to him. But for more than 200 years, that's a lot of generations of people. For more than 200 years, nothing had changed. It was bricks and bricks and bricks every single day. Sun up to sun down every day of the week, every week of the year with no end and no hope in sight. Don't you think that would get a little troubling? <laughs> Like we, we just came off some breaks, right? You, you, maybe you got some time off at Christmas, you got some time off at Thanksgiving, you got some time off for um, the new year perhaps. And we look forward to that time off, right? Um, we look forward to like, oh man, I don't have to go to work. Oh, it's exciting, I have a sick day or whatever. Imagine every day going to work when the sun came up and until the sun went down, doing the same thing all the time. And if you didn't keep up, if you didn't meet the quota, if you didn't do what you were supposed to, you're, you're beaten, it's miserable, it's terrible, there is no hope in sight. And then this guy named Moses shows up. And with him is this God, this God that begins to set the people free and he, and he shows his incredible power and, and his precision. And like, you've never seen anything like this. Like you've been in Egypt for a long time, you know all about the Egyptians' gods and all the things that they were supposed to do, but nobody in the history of the world has ever seen a god do anything like this before. And so there really was this sense of excitement and euphoria, euphoria for the Israelite people until they actually get out of Egypt, what they knew, what their habits and, and daily plan and all that stuff, they get out of Egypt and now all of a sudden, um, the euphoria kind of wears off, right? And, and they're in the desert, place they'd never been before. They didn't know anything about. They are um, ill-prepared. They have very little organization. They have very little water. They have very little food. And they had seen God do some big miracles, but that was in Egypt. And the ancient uh, mentality was that gods, because there were lots of them that people worshiped, gods in particular were tied to places. So nations or peoples or, or uh, geographical locations. And so all of a sudden the Israelite people are out in the desert, they're away from Egypt, and they don't really know if the same God that delivered them from Egypt is going to follow them out into the desert. Like he brought us here, but is he powerful enough to meet our needs in this new place? And so it was this crazy time for them. Could this God who freed us continue to do anything for us? Now, if your God 
And you have just rescued the Jewish people from their slavery with this mighty show of power. What do you want them to know about you? You're God. They're these people. They have no understanding of you except they've seen you do some really incredible things recently. But now they need to know you. They need to have a relationship with you. And so what do you say First, well, if you've been around church for a, a while, you may know the story of Exodus and how God revealed himself to Israel at, at Mount Sinai. And the, the picture there, the story, like we read through it really quickly. Um, and and if, you've, if, you've been, if you've spent time in church, like you probably know the story, but to be there, it's a completely different thing. Because um, the Israelite people, remember there's millions of them at this point, and they come to Mount Sinai, they surround Mount Sinai, and God's presence comes down onto the mountain, and nobody had ever seen anything like this before. When God's presence appears in, uh, in front of humanity, there are some things that always kind of show up with that, with that presence. Um, it is thick smoke, like black smoke, scary smoke. No fire, just black smoke. And out of that black smoke, there is lightning and the thunder and noise. Like think of every natural disaster, like hurricane and, and tornado and earthquake and thunder and lightning, all of that kind of wrapped up into this horrible, awful black cloud. And that's what you see when the presence of God comes to the earth. And so this huge black cloud with all of this noise and all of this chaos comes and rests on the top of Mount Sinai. And, and again, if you read the story, God's intention was that he would speak to all of the millions of Israelite people from the mountain and everybody would hear his voice. And that's what he did on the first day. And then the people went to Moses and said, we can't listen to God anymore. Like if we hear God anymore, we will die. They were terrified. And so what they said was, Moses, what we want is for you to go up the mountain and to meet with God and we'll stay down here like away from him. And you go hear all the things that he has to say and then you come down and tell us and we'll obey. We'll do whatever it is that God tells you to tell us to do. And so that's what happened. Moses goes up the mountain and the Israelites go back to their lives. In the presence of this black smoke and thunder and lightning and noise and chaos, they go back to doing all the things that they wanted to do in Egypt and couldn't because they were slaves. And so they got into all kinds of trouble. And so um, Moses goes up to the mountain and he's inside this thick black smoke for 40 days. It's during this time that the Israelite people, they, they make that golden calf and they say, well, this is our God and this is who we're going to, to worship. And so um, Moses is up there for 40 days. They think maybe he's dead, but while he's there, God is telling him things. And so Moses, uh, in the 40 years that, they, that the Israelites wander through the desert, Moses writes down the first five books of the Old Testament. They're called the Pentateuch, means five, um, and it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
And so Moses writes all five of those books during the 40 years that the Israelite people are wandering in the desert. But in the 40 days that he's on the mountain talking directly to God, he gets from God the book of Genesis. And so God dictates to Moses Genesis. He tells him the Genesis or the creation story. And Moses comes down the mountain with this book of how humanity got here. Um, and so that's where we get uh, Genesis from. In the midst of this thunder and lightning and wind, God speaks to Moses. Moses writes it down. And so here's what Moses has to say from God to the people. This is the very first thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now remember, this is God telling Moses what to write. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light and there was light. And today what we're gonna do is break down these three verses to discover some powerful truths as we face the beginning of this new year. This was a new day for the Israelite people. This was the first time God is speaking to his people about life and about the beginning. And, and it was the beginning of a brand new relationship between Israel and their God. And so um, it's fitting, I think, that at the beginning of the year, we look at the same text. So hopefully we've talked enough um, over the years in your time in church that you know that the way the Jewish people talked and interpreted the Bible and then lived out what they found there, it's different from the way that you and I read and interpret and talk about and live out our faith today, right? And it's, and it's not because they knew more, we know more, or whatever. Part of it is there's a cultural difference. The Bible was written by Eastern people with Eastern mindset, and we're reading it as Western people with a Western mindset. So let me give you a, 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 a difference or so we can see the difference here. When we come to church, most often, what do you expect when you go to church? If you've been to church a, a lot in your life, you know you're going to go to church and the preacher's going to get up and he's going to give you three points um, and you're going to have like this introduction, you're going to get a few points and then you're going to get this conclusion and then you're going to go home. We in the Western culture, we always want to know, um, just, just give me that, give me the nugget, give me the bullet points. I don't, I don't want to, I don't care about all that other stuff. Just tell me what I need to know so that I can get going with the rest of my life. Eastern mentality, Eastern people, they don't think that way. They don't think the way we do. They don't want to know what's the point. They want to know what there is to discover in what they're reading. So when, um, when they talk or, or when they share stories and what we're gonna see in Genesis chapter one is not God going A, B, C, D. Like this is what you need to know in order to live the life that I want you to. What God is doing in, in Genesis and throughout the Bible is taking us on a journey where we discover new things about God and about ourselves every time we hear, we listen, we read. So it's a different way of processing the world. It's a different way of talking. And we sometimes miss it in our Western, um, in our Western culture. So it shouldn't surprise you that in the original Hebrew language, the first words 
of Genesis 1 are in the beginning God not in the in the beginning created God that's how the Hebrew says it in the beginning created God the heavens and um, the earth and so in the very beginning before any of what is was we learn that there was God right this is how like again I think God created it all and then he has to explain that to a bunch of people who've been making bricks for 200 plus years they're not educated, they, they, were, they, they couldn't be educated. Egyptians made sure of that because they didn't want revolt. And so um, they weren't educated, they, it was terrible life. So what does God say in the beginning? He says, in the beginning, created God. And the Hebrew word for God here is the word Elohim. And I probably don't say that correctly. I do not have a good uh, Jewish dialect. There's probably some uh, guttural kind of things that uh, go in there. But the Hebrew word for God is, um, is Elohim. And Elohim can mean um, divine ones. Uh, it can mean gods. It can also mean the one true God or the God who created um, everything. And so uh, we hear in the beginning, the first few words of, of God's letter to his creation, we learn that in the beginning created God. God created all of this stuff in the very um, beginning. Now the Hebrew word for um, creates or created that's translated in um, Genesis chapter one is spelled uh, bara. That's how we would say it, B-A-R-A. -A. It's actually pronounced, <laughs> I'm not going to do it right, okay? So just pretend that you can hear a foreigner speaker uh, saying this, hava. And again, it's supposed to have like, you're supposed to roll the R's and like talk with like saliva in your throat. And it's supposed to sound a lot better than I can make it sound. But the way that it's pronounced is spelled barab. The way it's pronounced is hava. Um, and, and, it, and it's an interesting word. Bara is, a, is an interesting word. It's used um, throughout the Old Testament. Not a lot, but you can find it in the Old Testament. But it is only used when talking about God. It's only used in association with God. So what we know from the word in context is that only God creates like this. And so if you could translate this one Hebrew word into a way that we would understand it, we'd translate it like this, um, creates creation. In the beginning, God creates creation. And, and the, the idea of this word is that um, something is created from nothing. In the Hebrew dialect, in the way this word is used, that's what it means. When the word bara or hava is used, it means, creates creation, it means created out of um, nothing. So in the beginning of all things, as far as humanity is concerned, there is God and this God, Elohim, created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. That's verse one of Genesis. Now, um, remember, God is dictating to Moses 
all of Genesis 1. He's telling Moses, look, you weren't there, but I was when all of this started. And so let me tell you um, how it began, how the heavens and the earth got here. Verse 1, in the beginning, God creates creation. Out of nothing, he creates something, and it's called heaven and earth. Now, What's really interesting to me, there's a bunch of stuff interesting to me in this. Um, the rest of chapter one of Genesis, because you probably know it, it's the creation story, right? It's the days of creation. On day one, God did this. On day two, God did that. All of this kind of stuff. But the whole creation story in Genesis chapter one, which actually goes into the first few verses of chapter two, the whole creation story, except verses six through eight, we find God focused on earth. So verse one, we're told that in the beginning, out of nothing, God creates heaven and earth. And then 95% of the rest of chapter one, what is God talking about? How he created earth. Almost nothing in the Genesis story is about heaven. Now God creates heaven and earth in verse one, but then the rest of chapter one and the rest of the story of the Bible is earth. It's about what God did on earth. Everything in our Genesis story is about us and our world. And only this tiny part, verses six through eight, talk about heaven. In fact, a few verses that do talk about heaven, six through Eight, they're the only verses in the Genesis story, in the creation story, that don't say, and God saw that it was good. Did you ever notice that? Every other day of creation, at the end of the day of creation, it says God saw that it was good, except for day two, where God talks about the heaven and not the earth. On that day, it doesn't say that God saw it was good. I find that really um, crazy. So the work that he does on day two is not called good. Now, like I just find that really interesting. Don't read too much into it because what we're gonna cover on January 22nd uh, is, is some more of this. We're gonna get a little bit more in depth in this. But the point is the Genesis story is about you and me. It's about the earth. It's about what God did on this floating ball in the middle of pitch blackness that somehow is the perfect place for us to exist in the universe. It's about here, it's about our home, it's about how God or Elohim created it out of nothing. Now he's not telling us everything, he's just telling us enough. The Genesis story is not something where we're supposed to look at it and go, this is exactly what happened and how it worked and now I know exactly what God did. There are way more things that we don't know about creation from Genesis chapter one than we do. So don't get caught up in thinking that Genesis one, this creation story, gives us all the information that we need to know. We just know enough. We know enough. We know that there's a God and we know that he creates. Let's look at the next verse, verse two. 
the earth now. So God creates the heavens and the earth. And then he basically forgets about heaven and he focuses on the earth. He says, the earth was without form and void and it was dark. Everything was dark. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And this really gets fun to me because I just learned more things. One of the things I love about the Bible and reading the Bible and studying, listening to other people, is I'm always learning new stuff. There's always more to learn, things that I didn't know before. Now, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. I've been in church since the day, Sunday after I was born. I never really had a time period where I didn't go to church. I've been in church my whole life. I've studied, I've, I've read. I, I know I've been a pastor for 24 years and I'm always learning new things. And so it's really cool. And so I've learned recently some more about Genesis 1, kind of filled out the context a little bit while listening to a, a podcast that a friend of mine turned me on to called Bema Discipleship. And so if you listen to that, you've ever listened to it, if you go back and listen to it, you're going to go, oh, I heard some of those very similar things in um, Corey's message. And so um, uh, just be aware of that. It's a great, um, uh, great thing. And I'm, I'm not very far into it, but it's packed full of information. So God says that he made the heavens and the earth, and then the rest of chapter one, he spends almost his, the entire time talking about the earth. And he starts um, by saying that the earth was without form and void. Now, um, Marty Solomon, uh, the guy who started the Bema podcast, he breaks down the Hebrew words in, in the podcast. And so um, the word, the Hebrew word for formless and, and void, is tohu vavohu. Again, probably not pronouncing that correctly. But it basically means chaotic nothingness. And the way Marty explains this is he says, if you take nothing and you put it into a blender and you hit whip, you get chaotic nothingness. And we in the Western courts will go, no, you don't. You get nothing. Because you put nothing into the blender, you're gonna get nothing out of the blender. But that's not the point. The point is, we need to understand that it was chaos. It was, there was nothing there that would resemble what we have now. It was this chaotic nothingness. It was this crazy nothingness. And so we have a hard time understanding it, but an Eastern reader who would read this would go, oh yeah, I, I get it. Was it. It was chaotic, it was nothing, it was chaos. There's old, uh, then um, there was only God in the beginning, right? In the beginning creates God. We know that God existed in the beginning. Um, we want to know what and when and how and why. We want all those questions. We're taught in grade school to ask those questions and to figure out and to try and get to the end result and get the right answer. When there was only God, he created first the heavens and the earth out of this chaotic nothingness. And then he focuses almost exclusively on earth, which he created in verse one, but was formless and void and dark. Now the specifics of creation get a little fuzzy here, but we know for sure that there was water and we know that it was deep. It was so deep that on day two of Genesis, where it doesn't say God saw that it was good. On day two, God separates the water that was surrounding the earth into two levels, upper water and lower water. And in between the upper water and the lower water was oxygenated air that humanity and plants and animals needed to 
survive. So there's no land, nothing like that yet, but he separates water from water. And so that's where we get the idea that um, even many scientists talk about this, that in the beginning around the earth was a water canopy that filtered out all UV rays from the lights. Pretty incredible. It's really awesome to study that. Anyway, um, what we know for sure was the water was deep. It was so deep that it covered everything on the earth, which was created by this God who was always here. And then we learn something else about God besides just his um, a power to create. We're told that this God, this Elohim, doesn't just create, but that he's spirit. The spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. So now we know two things in the first two verses of this God that existed before anything else was here. That he creates, he has power to do that, and that he's spirit. He existed before the beginning. He has ultimate power to create, and, his, and he is spirit. He is not flesh and blood, so he is not like us in that sense. Now there's um, one thing we have sort of in common with God, but we only have a tiny fraction of what he has. Look at verse um, three, just the first three words. And God said, don't go really any farther than that because what happens in the rest of verse three is we get into the creation story, this power, this bara or hava to create creation out of nothing. But in verse three, the first three words, we learn that God takes on word, that he has a voice and that when he speaks, when this word goes out from God, incredible things happen. Like when he says, let there be light, there is light. And it just happens. Now, um, what we're going to learn on the 22nd is that light is created on day one, but the sun and the moon and the stars, the things that we associate with light, aren't created until day four. Where does the light come from? God has this power to say, let there be light, and there is light, but there is nothing in our understanding to produce that light. <sighs> Blows my mind. Okay, what we're going to find out on the 22nd is, is that Genesis 1 is not a textbook for us to study about the scientific ways and means that God created the world. There actually is a, a much bigger story happening in Genesis chapter 1 than just um, the points of how God created um, the world. So God speaks words. And when he speaks these words, molecules and muscle and matter bend to that word. So he creates creation. He has power to create creation. He is a creator and he is spirit and he is also word. Three things that represent God. Um, so on the 22nd and the, and the 29th, if, if you got, raise your hand if you got an email from me um, Friday night or Saturday morning, raise, raise your hand. okay, good. If you did not raise your hand, there, two things happened. Either um, 
you haven't checked your email, and so check your email. Uh, or number two, we don't have your email, and so you didn't get one from us that says what's going on in, in the weekend. So, um, so, to, so I'm here today, we're kicking off this new series, but uh, our friend Terry Deaver is gonna be um, here next Sunday to, to bring the message because for Christmas, I got a trip to New York. So me and Andy are going to New York next weekend to uh, hang out. We're kind of, well, she is very excited about it. I am terrified. Uh, so I have volume to get to New York um, because there are people I've heard and there are lots of people in New York. And I grew up in Oregon and I've lived in Kansas now for 30 some years. Uh, a lot of people is not my thing. Uh, we also apparently are going up to the 102nd floor of uh, One World Trade Center, the Freedom Tower, and heights are really not my thing. So it's going to be a whole weekend of Andrea being really excited and me being incredibly terrified all the time. Like I'm basically sure, probably many of you, some of you have been to, to New York. I, I am convinced that if you go to New York, you're going to get mugged or raped or shot. And so I'm preparing myself. I don't know what's going to happen, but one of those three things is going to, I don't know if I get to pick, but I'll, I have a choice. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, but so that's what's happening. So we're kicking off today. Terry will be here next Sunday on the 22nd and the 29th. We're going to dive into the creation days a little more closely. Um, we're going to see the power of God's word to shape the universe. And we're going to learn about how God celebrated his creation because we see celebration in Genesis chapter one. And I hope so badly that as we go through that at the end of the month, that we can discover even a tiny fraction of what the Genesis story is really telling us about who God is. Because I think most of us read Genesis 1 like a lab report or scientific report about how creation came about, and it's really not ab about that. I think it's more about how God feels about his creation, and he's trying to help us understand him and understand who we are. But let me end with this. I spoke to you uh, earlier about how after the first and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth creation days, God speaks the same refrain. God saw that it was good. 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 God saw that it was very good. That comes uh, at the sixth day of creation. So I want you to hold on to this next statement um, as you go through this week and as you prepare for this year and maybe even for the rest of your life, hold on to this today. Whether it's the story of all life, the Genesis story, or it's just the story of your life, your individual specific life, once God begins, it's going to be good. And maybe you're in a place where um, you didn't grow up in the church like I did. You, you haven't been a follower of Jesus basically since you were born. It doesn't matter because once God begins to work in your life, once he reveals himself to you, once you begin to open yourself up to him, it, it gets good. Because what we find out is this God who can create creation, 
out of nothing. This God who is word and who is spirit, who loves us incredibly. And when he created us, he said, it is very good. He wants the best for us. And what we're gonna see on the 22nd is that this nation of people whose entire worth and self-worth and value as a human being was completely tied to how many bricks they could make every day. Those people find a God who says, I love you not for what you can produce, not for what you can give me, not for the way that you worship me, not for the things that you do. I don't care how many bricks you can make. I don't care how much money you can make. I don't care how pretty you are or skinny you are or how many followers you have on social media. I care about you and I want the best for you. This creator whose spirit and word and power, he thinks you're pretty great. I don't know what this year is gonna bring in your life. I don't know what it's gonna bring in my, I don't know what it's gonna bring for us as a, as a church, but our story begins with God. And so I know it's gonna be good. Let's pray. God, thanks for this love that you have for us. And thank you for being a God, not like the gods of Egypt who were, who were tied to Egypt. They could only function in that, in that location. You are the God of, of, of everything. Every other nation at the time had all of these different gods, sun gods and fire gods and air gods and earth gods, who only could control the little bit of creation that they were supposed to be over. And then you burst on the scene with Israel um, in Egypt and you say, no, no, I'm the God who controls it all. I'm the God who created it out of nothing. I'm the God who has the power to make molecules and muscles and matter bend to my will. I'm a God that doesn't exist on a physical plane. I can exist anywhere. I'm the God whose word is so powerful that when I say something, it happens. Everything bends to my will. And this God that you are, this God of power and spirit and word created us for love because you loved us, you created us. And so God help us to hold on to that and, and know that even now, whatever point we open up to you and you begin to work in our lives, when you begin, when God begins to work, everything gets good. And so help us to hold on to that, God. Thank you for this day. Thanks for bringing us back together after a few weeks away. We look forward to all you're gonna do through us, in us, for us this year. We trust in you, in Jesus' name.